Good morning, church. I think finally I understand why all those big pastors are. They are always afraid when you have in-house pastor introducing them. I've known Pastor Mike for so long uh, that I can call him my dad already, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, just a joke. You know why I, I actually don't call him dad one, but he actually enforced this on us. Those of us that, are, that, are, that, that took up drum lessons with him. And if you know Chinese, right? You know, last time when we were drumming, then he always say this, you know. He say, Yet, yet, wai si, zhong sheng wai fu. You know, one, one day teacher, whole life father. That is his motto. <laughs> so every day we have to call him Appa. Lao Dao, Lao Dao Si Fu. But uh, it's really good to be back in the house of God. It, uh, you may not know me. Uh, Pastor Mike have already introduced. Uh, in fact, this is actually my first time in the English con congregation uh, and to preach a sermon. So I'm pretty nervous. Uh, so, and I have, uh, just so you know, I'm Pentecostal background. Let's give you a disclaimer first. And Pentecostal, they are famous for being long-winded long <laughs> because they, you know, in the past they can preach day and night. <laughs> I hope that I won't preach day and night today, but you know, I have six pieces of paper here with me and I'm going to run through with you without you know, compromising the message today. Are we all good with that? Now, but because I'm also a youth minister in the church, uh, therefore I have the perks of wearing rather casual today and also uh, very interactive. So I hope, you know, as we go along the message, as I ask you to assist me, you know, by telling the one next to you or even shouting back to me. I hope you'll cooperate. Can we all do that too? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, like not so sincere. La. Can not. Can or not. Can la, can la. Please la. Give face la. <laughs> can? Alright. Now for the past few weeks, we have been looking at the Daring Faith series. And, you know, we have been looking at what does it mean to have Daring Faith. In fact, in the first week, we look at what happens when you have faith? How to get ready for a miracle? Daring to give God my best. And last week, Pastor Irene even preached on daring to imagine. Correct? Now this week, we'll be looking at another aspect of daring faith, and that is daring to commit. Now, you may ask, why is it important for us to commit? Now, simple. Now, I'm pretty sure that you know, uh, all of us are pretty aware with the verse, you know, Faith without action is state. Yeah? And you may, say, you may say back to me and say, Okay, alright, now I know I need to have faith. I, need, I know that I need to have action. Correct? But what does it mean? Why do you... I get, I get the entire thing, but what about commitment? There isn't any mention uh, about commitment in that verse itself, right? So, is it true? that there is no commitment required when, when it is stated here, you know, faith without action is dead. Why don't we all, you know, take a look at the same passage, you know, from, uh, taken from James chapter 2, verse 14 to 22, and see for ourselves if there is anything that we've missed out. Now, can we all read it together? Yeah? Ready? One, two, go.
Alright, so one got. Everyone knows that Abraham is the father of faith, right? You know, he is considered, he is justified by faith. And through Abraham's life, we know what faith is all about, correct? But look at it deeper. You know, when it talks about faith and when it links to Abraham, what is it that Abraham did? that God counted him as righteous. It is his faith in offering his son, Isaac, isn't it? Now, if you, read, if you refer back to Genesis chapter 22, the story where Abraham offered Isaac, you know, sometimes, right, I, I, felt, I felt like if I'm Abraham, the story will change entirely. <laughs> I really believe that, right? Like, like you no, know, when God said, you know, Abraham, then here I am saying, oh, Lord, here I am. Now when you take your son, your only son, to go up to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. You know what I'll do? I have faith, ma. Right? I say, okay, Lord, let's do it. <laughs> right? But even as we go, right, look at how Abraham is committed in his cause, uh, that, that he believed that, no, what the Lord asked me to do, I will do. And I'm committed to the cause. I might bring my son and place him up on the altar, but eventually, right, that is where my faith will be shaken. Why? Because if you read further, you notice that, you no, know, Abraham literally take the knife, wanting to kill him, right? If I'm Abraham, uh, uh, I can do all the... <laughs> All the drama, lah. Oh, here's my son, Lord. Uh, then I wait. <laughs> okay, God, it's time. Okay, where is it? Huh? Show me, lah. Show me something. Okay? But Abraham, on the other hand, reached out his hand, uh, reached out from his hand, and then took a knife, want to slay his son. And that action is so real that the angel of the Lord said, Hey, stop, 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 stop. And that is the commitment that Abraham have, And that is why when I say action, uh, faith without action is it correct? But that action requires commitment. Now say to the one next to you, it requires commitment. Now without commitment, we wouldn't push through, we wouldn't stay through our goals, even though we believe, correct? And Abraham believed it, and he chose to commit all the way to it. Alright? And he experienced the miracle where the Lord himself called out to him from heaven. And the Lord provided to him. You know, previously you heard of the message, you know, what, uh, how to anticipate for a miracle. And, you know, miracle is very closely related to faith. You know, how can you expect to... To have miracle without placing your faith in God. And sometimes it's very 
contradicting when we all call him God, God, but we don't really actually believe that he is God. Correct? I say, oh, God will provide. But I wouldn't give my offering, my everything into the offering bag. Right? Oh, I believe God will heal. Yeah, God will heal. But then, always afraid, live in a fearful life. Don't know how, you know, don't know whether I will live through today. But you say, I have faith. So today, I want to challenge your faith to a different level. Not only faith by saying, by saying it out, or by only acting a little action just to prove as if you have faith, but to also make up that commitment to commit all the way. Now, today's sermon, uh, it's entitled Daring Faith. And to me, even the first verse itself, when I read it, has a great relation to my life. All right, before I join uh, as a full-time staff, as what Pastor Michael has said, now I've run away from my calling for 10 years. And then uh, after a while, you know, there are many things that have happened throughout that course of one year when I keep, keep rejecting the call. And uh, until when Pastor Mike one night told me, you know, why do you think God preserved your life? Uh, that really got me thinking. And when that got me thinking, I suddenly have faith, faith like Abraham. <laughs> right? Okay, la. Uh, say, uh, say, la. let's go, la. let's do it. La. All right? However, I realized this. When I was called 16, when I was called when I was 16 years old, uh, the very first call uh, without uh, Pastor Timothy calling, uh, not the Pastor Timothy call that Pastor Mike mentioned, that is in 2016. Actually, 2013, I already have my first call uh, through Pastor Yvonne Leong. Uh, that time, he lay, she lay hands and she prayed for me and she said, you know, I have this wrong urge, I think you'll come into full time. And uh, even back when I was 16, uh, I'm already gung-ho already. I'm like, man, I'm going to be the next youth pastor already, I don't care. This is who I am. Go, let's go! 16, no problem. 17, that's why 17 is where I, uh, the church organized AOL, right? The one in uh, Bukit Jalil. I tell you, uh, Pastor Mike called me only. It was the year that I have SPM. Pastor Mike didn't spare me at all. <laughs> Just call up and say, Hey, I need someone to look after the Sungai Wang booth. Uh. Can you go and help and jaga a bit? Uh? Okay, la, no problem. What time? Whole day. Okay, on. I'll be there 9.30, set up everything, work until 10.30, go back, no revision, no nothing, don't care. Like, like as if I already know for sure, whatever my SPM result is, I have a future. And my future is in BCM. <laughs> it's as if I know it's wrong, I know it's wrong. But that is how I'm aspired. I'm so gung-ho to appoint my mom literally asked me and say, you know, I seldom talk back in that when I'm in secondary school. Uh, now you look, I'm like the good boy, good boy type. Lah, huh? But even when I was 16, 17, uh, I'm not the kind uh, that can sit in front of my mama, talk to my mama face to face uh, for
for serious topic one. I'm also like all the teenagers, uh, when the mom call, uh, what? <laughs> I had one, I one, okay. But that day, my mom asked me what I want to do for my future. Have you decided which college you want to go after SPM? Because I come from a single parent family. And my mom, it's the sole breadwinner, and she has to earn and she has to, she has to plan. How can she manage my uh, college life? Right? So suddenly she has this serious thought. Uh, I also like, Kayla, I'm ready. BCM, here I come. I took out the form from, uh, given by Pastor Yvonne. Okay, I say, okay, don't worry. I help you plan already. This is my future. <laughs> I show her the BCM form. She look at it, what is this? Oh, I want, to start, I want to go to Bible college. I want to be equipped. I want to be a pastor. My mom got a shock. She's like, why? Why would you want to choose such a profession? I say, uh, because God called me. Lah. And my mom is not Christian back then. So she don't understand all this. And she said, no, I don't think you should go that. You want to go BCM, you can go it after whatever degree you have. But you have to get yourself a proper degree so that you won't regret your decision. And I'm like, I don't want. You say you don't have money to support me. Now the church is super willing to support me. Why don't you let me go? My mom said, no, no. I, I was super rebellious. I told my mom this. I don't care. I've made up my decision. That's it. What made me quit BCM was this. You know, I'm already so committed that I already put half of my leg in there. I go study part-time. <laughs> okay, studying part-time already. What made me change my decision is when my mom literally called my aunt, which is a Christian in her family, which is her sister. Call, her, call up her sister that is in Australia, crying on the phone telling her, my aunt's name is Cece. Cece, can you please, I know you're a Christian, can you please convince my boy to take up BCM after he got himself a degree? And my aunt called me from Australia, stating all this, you know, please consider this. I think your mom has never been so serious to a point that she's crying on the phone telling me this. And she said, if you really want to go to BCM, get yourself a degree. After that, I will support you to any Bible college you want to go. I'm like, wow, good life, right? So then, I ignored BCM. I took up, I said, okay, la, then maybe let's study something that will be useful. La. I'll study mass communication. <laughs> after studying mass communication, that's it. La. Ten years on the road, running away already. Right? When that year in 2016, when the urge came back, when the same culprit here, <laughs> sitting here, Pastor Michael Leong, <laughs> gave, me a, gave me a very weird phone call when I was working in Caltex. Okay? Uh, when I was working in Caltex, suddenly one day, out of nowhere, he never calls me, nothing at all. Sometimes we see in church also, we high by only. Suddenly call me up and say, Hey Nick, are you free? Ah? I can now. What? Uh, you know what? Ah, I've been praying to get myself speakers for this year's youth camp. 
okay, so, uh, I think uh, you will be the right candidate. And I said, how would I be the right candidate? I said, you don't have other friends, man? <laughs> I have. Yeah, I know you have. I thought you were very comforting with the GTPJ youth pastor. I'm pretty sure he's a better speaker than myself, ma. Yeah, 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 I know. But I've been praying. Uh, I see your face, Suni. I also challenge him back. Uh. I say, cannot be, ma. God give you, see my face. I didn't see your face, you know. <laughs> God didn't tell me at all, you know. I say, how can that be? But, let me tell you the background to this story. When I have the urge, when the full-time calling come back to me in the early of 2016, I challenge God in an agreement. And I say, God, if you really want me to come back to full-time ministry, give me a sign. What sign I asked for? To preach on stage, Lord. <laughs> because I thought it's the hardest sign already. Because a person that don't have theological background, don't know anything, then suddenly, who would want to give you the chance to preach on stage? But when he said that, oh, my heart, even though I'm confident in answering him, oh, my heart trembles. You know, like, Wow, this is so real. But I still rejected him. <laughs> I say, uh, let me pray about it first. Uh. If the Lord tell me, then I'll call you. Uh. The next day, he received my call straight away. Because after he called me, uh, my life become like a curse already. <laughs> I'm a top performer, uh, not boasting, but in Caltex, I'm, even though I'm a contract staff, my boss and I have been considered as the top performer of the company. And how... They define us as top performers that you know Caltex is very free. To a point, uh, they give you one simple task. Uh, they tell you, you only need to submit by this Friday when they give you on Monday. I'm the kind of person that do it then and there. Okay, you give me, I do it. I submit then. Right? Even if I need to work OT, I'll give it on Monday itself. So that is where we live up to the reputation of being high performer. But that day itself, <laughs> after his call, I cannot concentrate on my work at all. It was so bad that after one hour, my boss sitting next to me <laughs> thought that I'm sick. I said, hey Nick, are you okay? Ah? I haven't seen you like that. Like, I think you better, <laughs> you better go back and have a rest. I think take a few days rest. Lah. The report don't worry. But I don't think you're in your right mind today. <laughs> I said, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. I still can work. I say, don't worry, don't worry, give me half an hour, give me half an hour. So immediately, I go to the toilet and I pray, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I promise you, grant me peace. Tomorrow morning, I will call back Pastor Mike. I will tell him the whole truth. I will say to him, okay, I agree to be your speaker. Well, seems to be a good thing, right? But, you know, to cut things short, I still run away from that calling. Uh, the camp was in March. I run away all the way to September until I encounter something bad where my car crashed. My car fell off from a flyover. 
and uh, I'm untouched. <laughs> uh, my car fell from a flyover. Uh, it was quite high. And uh, the best thing is that I don't even know I fell from a flyover. It's not that I'm, I'm unconscious. Uh, I black out. <laughs> I know I'm in a crash when my car is falling. <laughs> Uh, I know I'm in a crash, but I can't open my eyes. The next thing I know, I just open up my door and I start, you know, diverting the traffic so that it's not jammed already. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. The police traffic passed by. Sorry, sorry. Tow man came, asked me, hey, do you know how you get into a crash? Oh, if you don't know how I get into the crash, I actually admitted this in that Tuesday prayer meeting the following Tuesday where I was leading song. Lead. And uh, a lot of you were there, including Pastor Mike that have pointed me out that night, and Sister Julian also. Uh, I was in crash because I was uh, intoxicated uh, with alcohol, in a sense whereby uh, we drank, we have to social, we have a lot of bosses, and we drank so much that I know I cannot take it, I need to rush back home. But it was the wrong decision I made. I crashed. Uh, so when the tow man asked me, you know, how do you get into a crash? I say, uh, I don't know. But I'll be honest with you, I, I'm drunk. I black out. Then I say, as he was talking, then he was inspecting the car, then I look up. I accidentally look up. Yeah, how come the divider dented in one? Huh? I asked the tow man, couldn't I fall from there, right? Then the tow man also scold me like I'm a <laughs> stupid idiot like that. <laughs> How can you fall from there? If you fall from there, you stand before me and talk to me, man. Ah, your nonsense, are you? Don't worry, don't worry. My boss very king one. He knows all this area. The moment he sees your car, he knows how you crash already. I say, okay. Uh, now you go back first lot. Tomorrow morning we report. We'll send the car back to the workshop. We will inspect. Tomorrow my boss will pick you up. Okay. Then tomorrow morning, the boss picked me up for police report. The boss came, asked me the same question. Like, do you remember how you got into that crash? I said, I don't know. But I remember I make this remark and ask your staff whether I could I fall from that flyover. And he said, no. But this time, the boss didn't scold me. Lah. He's a bit in shock. He's like, oh, you know what's shocking? I think you might have really fall from there. So I say, Why? She said, when I inspected your car, your roof is dented in, all of your four-tire burst, all of your shock absorber gone, your windshield, your main windshield is cracking. High chances is that I crash back. So that's the, the highest possibility of that crash. So imagine uh, I still survive from that crash. Not only I survived, I, let me tell you, I didn't even suffer blue, back, blue, blue black. Uh, I'm so normal to a point that when I get back home that night and I told my, my, my sister and brother that is in the living room, I got into the home and I said, oh, I got into a crash. The first impression, uh, they never bother about me. One. Where's the car? All rushed to the car. Where's the car? What happened to the car? <laughs> oh, they threw it away already. Then they shout to my mom, Mom! They got into a crash! My mom also ran down. Look at me, oh, where's the car? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how normal I am. <laughs> that's how normal I am. <laughs> but ever since, you know, but 
know, when I'm in Caltech, I'm really living the good life. And to me, to make that decision to come in full-time is the hardest decision ever. When I'm in 16, 17, it's easy. But when I have commitments, <laughs> it's super hard. After my car crash, I don't need drive to work, man. Huh? Then my mom some more, buy la, buy that Honda la, don't worry, one. now you work as what, you can afford it, one. <laughs> so when God asked me la, to come to full time, I'm like, God, how am I supposed to pay that, that car? Then I, we just bought a house together that I, I needed to pay also. Then I'm like, oh yo, God, you must be kidding me. La. <laughs> how am I supposed to pay all these commitments? And I was afraid. But the final decision came when I argued with God this. When I was driving back to office, it, I was uh, stuck in a jam. And that impression came back. I call you to come into full time. Wow, straight away I'm like a madman in the car, shouting, <laughs> shouting to the air. You know. The one next to me also think this one's your cuckoo. And <laughs> I was like, God, please lie. It's not that you don't know that I have commitments, you know. You are all wise, God, and you know from beginning to the end. Eh? You don't know I have a car man, I have to pay. You don't know I have a house that I have to pay. You don't even know that my credit card has always been bursting ever since, man. You know, you know, I, I can't even pay tithes, you know. And you ask me, uh, come in full time. You really cause you. Uh. I, I said that to God. And God suddenly impressed one verse to me. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a future and hope. I was tearing in the car and said, God, I know everything. I'm going to commit all out from now. And that is how I'm committed right now, like what Pastor Mike is saying. I'm committed because I know my God has a purpose and has a plan. It's not only for me, but it's also for you. And therefore, I hope, you know, today as we share up this message, as I also share up my life, that took out half an hour already, <laughs> I hope it will trigger all of us to be Daring enough to commit your life. Uh, if you don't know how committed I am, and I'm, again, I'm not boasting, I'm so committed in my course, in my, my life, that I'm only a phone call away from you. You just need to reach me out, and I'll be there. If, and praise God, I'm single, so that I have even more time. <laughs> right? But, even though I'm working in the church, I'm completing my master's in BCM. Even though I'm completing my master's in BCM, I never neglect all my ministry. My ministry has been my utmost priority. Ask my mentor, ask Pastor Mike, he knows best. And, and even that, I'm still committed in Logos classes. Some of you may ask, uh, I, uh, why you do like that? What for? You got a master's degree, not good enough. You still want to study Logos to get a diploma for what? Not entirely true. The things that they offer both in BCM and Logos are quite different. Logos offer very practical advice. 
But more importantly, I'm committed to Logos. It's because I know I have a team of nine classmates with me. And I want to show to all my nine classmates that are also busy in their work and say, I know you're busy. I'm going to show you even though I am busy myself, but I want to walk through with you and let's do it together. Is it hard? Super. So hard that I have undue, overdue assignments that I have all Pastor Irene and Dr. Dean. But I'm still pushing through. And that is what it means by commitment, isn't it? It means that you push through to see that you come, the things come true. And without commitment, we cannot accomplish this one, correct? Right? I can do. No, I can take one course. But if I'm not committed to the program to finish all the way to diploma, I only have one course in my hand. But if I push through to the day that I graduate, that will be one of the achievements that I have. So commitment is not scary. So say to the one next to you, commitment is not scary. Right? So now let's look to our first point. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make sure we will end at one. <laughs> now the first point, to strengthen my faith in your outline, it says that I must unite with others in worship. Now, a lot of times when we think about commitment, uh, it, it, it can be scary. And at times, uh, even now, you know, like, even things like that, you know, wow, now got all this COVID-19, you somehow tell me I must unite with others in worship. You know, churches have closed down already, Lord. don't be so naive. Let me assure you, while we are very spiritual, we are not naive also. Right? The church has been taking all the preventive measures that we can in order to make sure there wouldn't be any outbreak in the church. But doesn't mean while we do all this, we are not, we are not a person, we are not an organization, we are not a church that is without faith. All right? We still place our faith in God. And just like today, you make the action, you make the decision to come out and to worship, praise the Lord. You know why? Because when we unite ourselves with others in worship, your faith gets strengthened. I believe some of you have experienced different encounter with the Lord during worship. How many of have you have experienced that? Raise your hand. Wow, so shy one man. Okay, praise the Lord. Yeah. Let me tell you, I experienced I experience, uh, many times. And in fact, the last Tuesday prayer meeting when I was leading, I have this headache. And if you don't know me and my sister, we are very good. We are good Panadol eaters. We are great supporters of Panadol. Panadol is like close to be like our parents already. Right? We are so good at eating Panadol, we can eat it like daily. Because it's real. we have migraine and that migraine is so, it's so bad to a point that it's hard for us to focus. Like I know some of you can, can really hold your pain, but when I have that headache, I just can't do anything. I'm like paralyzed already. I cannot do anything. I don't know what I want. And some of you say, ah, oh, just go and sleep. Lah. Even with sleeping, it doesn't help. I can go to sleep, wake up, and still have that headache. So we rely on Panadol a lot. But on that Tuesday morning meeting, same thing happened. 
I was having headache and I'm like, oh man, I'm leading this prayer meeting. We are leading two hours straight. How am I going to push through this? That's where I get my team on the stage and I say, let's pray. I want you to know I'm having this headache and let's, let's pray that the Lord, you know, even before we, as we worship, you know, healing takes place. And some of the youth there, you know, Krista and Casey, they are not here today. They pray for me. And then after that, we break into groups when we start sharing. Then she asked me, Hey, I see you leading so normal only. How's your headache? Hey, I say, it's gone. Eh? Now, when the healing takes place, it edifies me, correct? But it also edifies those who pray for me. Because they are the one who experienced the same miracle. As I am, because they by faith proclaim and pray for me, and they saw that coming through. And that is why when we come together, when we worship, it's not always like, oh, worship means I lift my hand, sing the song I sing, and hear Pastor Mike preaching. That's it, done. When we unite ourselves together in worship, and when you start hearing testimonies from others, it strengthens your faith. So tell the one next to you, it strengthens your faith. And that brings me to my second point. Alright? To discover my identity and purpose, I must connect with others for fellowship. Now, I'm pretty sure you don't have testimony sharing every week on stage. Correct? So how are we supposed to hear some of the things that the Lord has accomplished is on his life, in, his, in her life, and his life. Hard, ma, right? All we can hear is Pastor Mike preaching, and hopefully he will throw some testimony, and you get to hear that. No? But when we connect with each other, when we share with each other, when we see things coming to pass, you realize that, eh, I actually have an identity and a purpose here. And what I want to specifically say, it's in small group. You know, in the, when it was in youth, right, uh, when I first lead the youth, I remember this, where I planned my schedule, I planned a two-hour schedule. And Pastor Mike was saying, wow, you want to do two hours for youth, ah? It's pretty long, no? I don't know how many youth will come or how many youth will stay. I'm like, oh really? Ah? <laughs> I have to cut down my program. So as we cut down the program, then we see youth still there, but they don't connect much. They just come and go. Then we split them into groups. And in those groups, I ask them to do this. I want you to be as transparent, as honest as you can in your group, trusting that your group member is there to journey with you. Uh, of course, miracle don't happen. Ah. It's not like they get it. Ah. But after several campaigns where we do heart-to-heart -heart talk and we do that, when people are daring enough to share their pains out, someone in the group, surprisingly, will have a testimony and say, Oh, you know what? That day I read this. I don't understand what is this all about. And I finally understand 
now in this context because I think this verse or this word is for you. Again, it edifies other people. But the same thing, the one who released the word or the one who encourages the person now find his identity in the group and his purpose. Now, if you ask me now, oh, so now you spend two hours in youth. Sorry lah. <laughs> now I spend half a day in youth already. You know why? They will come at 12 something one. They have their whatever lunch. Then they will go for band jam. Then they will stay for youth service. You know, they can come here at 12.30 and go back at 6.30 earliest or 7.38 every Saturday. They are no longer, they no longer say it's boring coming to youth because they find that there is a reason that they are there. Even last Saturday itself, uh, we are only teaching Bible campaign Exodus. What is Exodus all about? And still, after the entire lesson, when they sit down and they pray and ask, what is your prayer needs? The entire cell group got activated. They start encouraging each other. Inner healing already took place there without any of the pastors or ministers doing it. So all of my youth here understand that pretty well. They know their identity. They know they have a purpose in life. And that purpose in life, one of it is to connect with each other and to grow and to journey with one another. So tell the one next to you and say, better get connected. <laughs> right? So make sure you join a small group if you have not joined one to get yourself in a group, to have a support group, someone to, that will support and journey with you. And as we go along this, there is the third commitment that we have the third commitment that we have to do, and that is to develop your potential. Now while I know that I have an identity in my small group, I know I can be a good encourager, I know I can share the word, but in order to develop your potential, you have to learn from others to grow. Why would I say that? You know, none of us are perfect, isn't it? No, I have my own strength. Pastor Mike has his own strength. Alright? While we are good, while both of us love to talk, but he is a thinker more than a talker, if you know him well. He likes to think so much that sometimes he will text me late night, like 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. about some thoughts that he suddenly have, like, boom! It's like, no, what do you think about this? <laughs> and I'm like, way deep in my sleep already. <laughs> Next morning only I'll reply him, okay. <laughs> but because he's a good thinker and because he's my mentor, he then teach me how to be a good thinker too. He teach me, uh, taught me how to be critically thinking some of the processes, some of the events that we ought to do. And he's always way ahead on, right? COVID-19 is, now we hear some news, he's really thinking, like, oh, what if that suddenly they have to close down our church? What are the steps that we have to do? Like, haven't happened, you already tell me all this. But that proves that he thinks way ahead and it really trains me to think ahead also. Alright? And that is why we have to learn from each other and we don't know who to learn, simple, Logos. 
I'm pretty sure you will learn a lot from Logos. Alright? And you develop a lot of your potential. One of the course I've just uh, finished, it's called Faith Principle and it's awesome. Teach a lot of principles in faith. Things, how can we activate our faith? Or what is faith? How can we trust God when things before us or the things that we believe is something that we cannot see? So that will help you to grow. Okay? Now, while you grow, as you grow, you know, as we climb up the corporate ladder also, we want to show ourselves among the bosses, right? So that the bosses recognize you. And a lot of us in corporate world, we do that. Uh, I'm fortunate enough. I think I'm, I'm very favored by God. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky uh, that God is just so loving and so faithful in my life that I seldom need to prove myself before my boss. Uh, I'm very low-key. I do my own work. But uh, my boss will, will realize me. And I think this brings to a point that there is a difference between significance and prominence. Being, being prominent doesn't mean you're successful, you know. Right? Uh, being prominent doesn't mean, oh, I've made it in life. Right? You, I think a lot of you already heard of different testimonies. Some of them are so successful, they earn millions of dollars. They are billionaires. And still they feel their life is very empty. They feel as if their life is not contributing to the society. There is no meaning in life. But you also hear some testimony of people like you and me, earning so-so money. We feel very meaningful in our life. Every day we are touching people's life. Every day we get to see people cry. <laughs> right? And, and I think one of the things about significance is that it's serving. It's your heart as a servant to, to serve people and to journey with them. You know? Pastor might say, you know, oh, this guy is oh, very committed. He go all out. And it's as if I'm very prominent. To be honest, you, do, you see me around, lah, but I'm not that kind that go out and promote myself like, Hey, I'm Nick. Hello, hello. No. All I, all I ever did is just to reach out to my youth whenever they need help. Why? It's because I want to be famous. I don't think you get to be famous when you reach out to youth. Lah. And it's the, the thing that you don't want to touch them also. They have so many issues in life ah, that sometimes you have to crack your head to understand them. One. But as long as you journey with them, as long as you serve them, they realize how, how meaningful you are in their life. I'm very blessed and touched when, it, when during my birthday, they send me tons of notes. I, I don't, uh, I'm not very much a gift person. I appreciate gift, but I'm more like the message kind of person. And I'm so touched when they send me long messages. You know, as long as my Facebook post where I have my long reflection, they send the same. They say, you know, thank you, Nick, for being part of my life. Thank you for speaking into my life, journeying with me. And this propels me to do even further. Because 
I felt that I'm significant. Uh, my life has a meaning, and that meaning is to serve the generation, is to serve this generation. Therefore, in order to experience significance, I encourage you to serve with others in ministry. Ministry is very enjoying one. Right? It, I don't know if you experience that, but I enjoy serving. Uh, I'm the kind where you tell me if I need to song lead every week, or I need to song lead this week, play drum another week, preach the other week. Just let me know. If I'm available, I'm there. And some uh, that are very thoughtful, they will come to me and ask, hey, is it okay for you to serve that way? Once you get burned out, you have to be careful, you know, make sure you don't, you don't burn out. And if you know my sister, Joey, uh, she's as good as me also. She's also very gung-ho. Eh? But, you know, sometimes, so when I'm, I, I often drive my sister back, so nighttime I become a grab driver. I send my sister home. So it's a time where we have deep talks about ministry. And sometimes uh, when we heard uh, people saying, hey, you better be careful, make sure you don't burn out, and so on and so forth. We always arrive to the same conclusion. Uh, we never say we want to stop serving. In fact, we have this philosophy where we believe that so long we are serving with joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Therefore, when we serve, uh, I don't serve with you, uh, like that, very sad. I serve with a heart of joy. I'm like, I'm, well, I'm not good at it. I'm pretty sure I'm not good at preaching. But I, I enjoy doing ministry. I enjoy doing work for the Lord. Because I know in the end, whatever limitation I have, He will supply. He will count Him the rest for me. All I need to do is just to be faithful in my service. What I can do, I do. The balance, I leave it to my boss. And my boss will settle for me. That is my principle. Therefore, if you think you're very limited, I don't have this skill, I'm not good at this, I'm not that, trust me, you are way better than what you think. You can do, you can serve people and people's life will be touched and you will find that your life has a meaning. Last, my last point. Oh, before we skip to that, I think you have that three things. The three principles when we work together. I'm pretty sure we all work together and you know the benefits of working together. And uh, this is retrieved from the verse uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 to 12 uh, where it says two people are always better than one because they get more done by working together if one fails the other can help him out but it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help if two lie down together they can share the same blanket and stay warm but a person alone will not be warm 
An enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. A rope that is woven of three braids, it's hard to break. We all know working together, we get to pull up our strength, we get to maximize. Uh, first, verse 9, we know we maximize our impact, we minimize our failure, and we also get to pull our resources together. That is why church is important. The church is not a place where you come and go. But a church is a place where you grow lives, uh, or you grow together, lifting one another, helping each other. The rich will help the poor. The one with strength will help the weak. And this is what church is all about. And when we work together, you need not to be alone. You need not to be afraid that you are not capable because others will help you when you can't do it. Alright? So let's recap what we have learned till now. We have learned that to strengthen our faith, we must unite with others in worship. We have learned that to discover our identity and purpose, we are to connect with others for fellowship. To develop our potential, we must learn from others to grow. And just now we have just said, to experience significance, we have to serve with others in ministry. Now last but not least, I'm pretty sure while we want to be significant, we also want to make an impact or change, correct? And that is why the fifth point of daring to commit, one of the commitment that we ask people to do is to make an dif eternal difference. A lot of difference you make today may not, may not be eternally, but there is one thing that you do today that will make an eternal difference. And that is to evangelize and to, get, to preach the gospel to others so that they receive salvation. You know? A lot of trophies you earn today, a lot of achievement you have today, when you go up to heaven, it means nothing. But the one that you get to reach out today and come to Christ, they will go back to heaven and they will thank you for what you have done in their lives. This is a thing that will make an impact in that person's life eternally. Therefore, it is important for us to make uh, therefore, like just now, you know, Pastor Mike asked you all, urge you all to go and preach or to reach out to people. Because that is our mission. God's mission is our mission too on earth. And it's that one mission that will make an eternal difference. I think a lot of you know who is Lionel Messi, you know, the top footballer, right? The famous one, the most celebrated fo footballer in the world. And he is said to be worth 310 million pounds. Alright? In 2007, he decided to set up a charity. And uh, it was during a visit to a hospital in Boston where Messi was moved to tears when he see terminally ill children that encouraged him to put his salary for better use. This is what he said. After, after having visited a hospital one day, I realized the special significance that a public figure has. I understood that seeing a well-known footballer could really help those ill children. Just being there with them put a smile on their face and gives them special joy 
and greater desire to keep on fighting as they really believe that they will overcome their illness and will be able to pursue that dream. This word from Mercy sounds like an amazing speech, isn't it? Now, apply it to you. Have you ever imagined yourself being able to make a difference in the world also? You know, while Messi could have made an impact in the terminally ill children during his or her life, lifetime on earth, you and I, while we may not have money, <laughs> we have something even more powerful. You have the gospel with you. And when you reach out, when you touch another person's life, not only the person will be grateful to you in this life, for he gets to experience the love when he is helpless, he gets to experience the love and support when he felt everything, it's nothing, when there is no meaning to life. You help him to realize that it's so much more in life when you get to know Jesus. Now apply it and see if you too can make a difference. In short, what we are asking you to make a commitment is super easy if you cannot remember the five points. <laughs> All right? It's something you get to see every day anyway. And I'm going to show you that picture, uh, the logo, all right, which is this. <laughs> I say all <laughs> things. I'm only pointing you to this only. All right. What I'm trying to show you is that what you need to do is to be committed in these five purposes. To, work, to unite yourself in worship with others. To fellowship with others to grow with others in discipleship, to serve with others in ministry, and to evangelize the gospel to others also. This is the five main things that I'm preaching anyway. But I want to encourage you. I don't know how, how many of you feel the message today. But when I was down there worshipping, I felt that all this was already prearranged. Not by myself or Pastor Mike, prearranged by God. The song selection today it was not something that I've talked to Brother BK about. And it speaks of all the right things. Nothing is impossible. With all I am, alabaster jar, the heart of a servant. Trust that the Lord, trust in the Lord and believe that although with all the circumstances that we're going through, the political turmoil, if you like to say it that way, the COVID-19 outbreak, second wave, third wave, or some of you may be facing financial difficulties, especially with China market closed down. It's going to be tough. But a lot of times when we come here and worship, huh? Through you, I can do 
sing it like you mean it. Uh. That is what I often told my youth. If you don't mean it, don't bother singing it. Because that time, it's already sacred. You're worshipping God, you know, you're not worshipping me. You're not worshipping the lyrics. Sometimes I ask my youth, don't close your eyes. Lah. Look at the lyrics lah, so that you know what you're singing. Don't say nothing is impossible when you think everything is impossible. Oh, well, I, I don't know how to pay my rent next week. Oh, yeah, very impossible. I don't know how. Lah. Trust. If you think God is that, trust. Lah. Right? Then you think, oh God, I trust that you are, nothing is impossible in you. Therefore, I'm going to offer with all my, uh, with all I am. Accept this, 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 and this. Upper with all I am need. <laughs> you say all means all. Lah. You cannot say all, but uh, with the exception of this, 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 and this. Oh, you say, oh, Elibasajah, this is the only thing that, the precious thing that is in my hand, I'm going to break it for you. Yet, Lord, let me take other things to break it. Lah. I don't need that vase. I'll break that vase for you. Lah. And when you say, Lord, my Jesus, my Lord, you're the love of my life. Wherever you go, I want to be by your side. Really? Really? I want to challenge you this. I'm super encouraged to see in English congregation we have two very wonderful uh, one of the very uh, not to say that you're not all wonderful but I'm very blessed to see that in your worship team you actually have PK as a worship leader. You also have Sister Shireen as your vocalist. You know, I was worshipping. It's so hard, you know. I don't know if you think, ah, yeah, this is normal. But when I was observing when Brother BK has to lead passionately and to use his hand to touch on the lyrics, to commit himself to come out, to commit himself to walk up the stage and to lead. Man, to me, this is an example of a commitment. To commit in a cause where he believes serving means everything. To commit in a cause where he believes when he serves other, others' life will be touched. Therefore, brothers and sisters, can I encourage you to stand on your feet? I don't know what you have, what are the tough times that you're going through. I don't know how, how tough life that you are, you're facing. The pastoral team will try to understand you as much as we can. But do not forget, today you have, like what I preach on Tuesday, you have the God of all universe. 
that calls you his children. He is not some God that is way distant. He is some God. He is one God, the only God that is so detail-minded that He knows every needs of your life. If you attended Tuesday prayer meeting, you have heard one of the testimony where a youth shared a problem so trivial. And how trivial is that? Stage fright. Oh Lord, I have stage fright, I cannot serve. And she prayed. People prayed for her too. Some of you, you know, when I first heard, I was laughing myself too. Like, what la? You could have prayed for any other things. You choose to pray for such trivial things. But then, what I say suddenly convicted myself, you know. I'm suddenly, I'm convicted. Like, hey, wait a minute. Doesn't this mean that God that is all-powerful, almighty, also know your little details in life and He cares for it? That is who your God is. So don't think God don't know your issue in life. He knows way better. Even better than you do. Therefore, when I say I want to pick this song as my last song, The Heart of a Servant, I know it's going to be hard for you to sing, Lord, how can I follow you? Sometimes I don't even want to follow you. So hard, lah, your road. But I want you to remember this. Whatever you do, God never forsake you. He's always there with His arm outstretched, waiting for you to return, waiting for you to hug Him back. I don't have a child, I don't have a kid, but I have a nephew. And I'm glad that I have a nephew that helps me to see things from a parenting perspective. It was only this morning when I see my little nephew Isaac runs towards my brother, lovingly sit down on his lap, chewing his biscuit. And I see the expression of my brother the expression that he was so touched and loved by that little action that my little nephew made. By running back to the father into his arm, just let him carry. I'm like, man, if man knows how to do this, man knows how to experience this, how much more God will be so happy when we all run into His arm and say, God, we've seen the commitment from Brother BK or Sister Shereen. Now those of you, the younger ones, you have time, you have talent, you have money. And a lot of times, we choose to go after this and not to go after God. Maybe it's a wake-up call. Maybe... It's self-check time to see what is our priority in life. 
Let's with a solemn heart. If you don't know the lyrics, please do open your eyes. Look at the lyrics and to sing the lyrics as if you mean it. Because as much as I know when I was first introduced to this song, I was touched. I said, yes, Lord. When I decided to leave my corporate life, all the good life that I'm having, I say I'm going to stay committed with every ounce of my energy, every second of my time to serve you.